0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, June 11, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. The president is ramping up war in Yemen, and he's doing so by killing hundreds of suspected militants using drone strikes. Problem is, according to the White House, they're almost all presumptively militants until proven otherwise. It's both a costly and costless way to conduct a war in a country with which we are not officially at war. Chris Preble, vice president for defense and foreign policy studies at the Cato Institute, offers his thoughts. We hear a lot about drone strikes in Pakistan. We do not hear a lot about drone strikes in Yemen. Why does that matter?
1: Well, I think it matters in the short term because it kind of highlights the lack of oversight that the Congress and the American people have over the conduct of the war, Um there was an interesting op-ed in today's New York Times talking about uh, yet another op-ed talking about how this represents a continued growth in the executive power at the expense of the exe- uh, expensive legislature and the people. Um, and so the fact that President Obama is able to wage war without um, – really any input or or oversight by Congress of the people is just another example of this. That's right. And so we learn about the strikes in Pakistan when the the administration announces them. Um, We learn about some strikes in Yemen and other places around the world. Presumably, we're not learning about some that they wish not for the public to know about, um, which would raise some pretty serious questions. I, I tend to think we are starting to hear a bit more about Yemen. Uh, then, certainly than we were a couple of years ago, um, there's a growing concern about the possibility of a uh, al-Qaeda presence in Yemen. I think it's a little more complicated than, than some have suggested. But, and, and I also think it's possible, and some reports have, have seemed to confirm this, that it is precisely the use of drone strikes and other relatively heavy-handed attacks that kill suspected militants, but also kill innocent bystanders that may have driven some support to al-Qaeda uh, and perhaps more than we would have seen in Yemen in the past. This is from CNN. As of June 6, drone strikes and airstrikes
0: had killed an estimated 531 to 779 people in Yemen, 509 to 713 of whom were identified in media reports as militants, according to the New America Foundation's data. Of these deaths, 99% occurred during Obama's presidency. It's worth noting here, in particular, that whenever a media report refers to someone as a militant that is basically from the Obama administration making a presumption about that person.
1: Right. And one of the ways to do that is to presume that anyone, any male aged 18 to whatever is therefore a militant and is again presumed to be uh, guilty by association. And No doubt there is some truth to that, but I, I think it's unmistakable that there are there is collateral damage. There are civilian casualties, unintended casualties, that result from these strikes. Um, Judging from uh, public opinion and the polling data on this type of warfare and the use of drones, the American people remain quite supportive of them and, at least for the time being, don't appear to be particularly concerned about the civilian casualties that occur as a result I would presume the reason is because people think that those civilians are likely to not, maybe not like us very much in the first place. It doesn't really matter all that much, um, but I think that's where we get ourselves into a bit of a false dichotomy. I think we've seen growing public support for these kinds of operations, drone strikes, and and you know, um, bombing from high altitude, as opposed to the nation-building sorts of missions that were popular not so long ago in the you know mid mid teens, two thousand six, seven, eight, when we were talking so much about counterinsurgency. Um, you know, the wars on the ground are extremely costly. They are manpower intensive and they are uh, difficult and inconclusive. I mean, even the supporters of the war in Iraq, for example, call it something to the effect of a messy victory. I don't even think we could call it that. Um, and and people have gravitated to uh, the drone strikes as being the only acceptable alternative, but that's a false dichotomy. I mean, this is the point, is that we can, and we have, Uh, carried out very effective operations against al-Qaeda over, you know, more than a decade now. Um, Some of that, no doubt, is a function of, you know, kinetic action that is killing bad guys, but a lot of it is more targeted, is uh, less likely to create uh, or result in civilian casualties. And I think that we need to not fall into the trap of assuming that there are only two options for fighting uh, against terrorism is either invading and occupying foreign countries with 150,000 plus troops uh, or... uh, uh, striking them from 30,000 feet. I think there are alternatives. We have engaged in those alternatives over the years, and I think we do a real disservice in terms of just understanding public policy uh, if we fall victim to the to the trap that if we do not uh, do one, then we must do the other. White House spokesman uh, Jay Carney uh, famously, I
0: think, said a while back that, look, the bombs we're dropping in Libya are not consistent with what we typically define as an act of war, Mm -hmm. Uh, that is to say the introduction of U.S. troops. And it seems to push that door open even wider for the United States intelligence and uh, services and military services to be able to engage in this kind of activity without any congressional say whatsoever if, if the president of the United States thinks that the definition of war is using troops
1: right and and we've seen the, the redefinition and the the kind of rhetorical gymnastics that the obama administration went through with especially with respect to the libyan operation but but we also see it in terms of these kind of strikes these drone strikes um, war has become in some respects very easy um and and at least for most americans uh relatively Uh, Pain-free which is to say they're not paying a lot for it. There's no there's no war tax and most people don't have um, first-hand experience or first-hand contact with people on the ground as we have as we move away from large-scale Operations in places like Iraq and Afghanistan operations on the ground uh, are we in danger of war becoming easier still um, and therefore less oversight less reflection on whether these kinds of operations are truly necessary to advance american security again some of them certainly will be uh... and some of them are today i just wish there was a better understanding and more oversight more desire frankly on the part of congress to investigate this uh... more interest on the part of the public but i think there is a kind of a rational ignorance explanation for that the public doesn't feel particularly uh, empowered or, or inclined to to look into this very closely because they don't perceive that it is affecting them directly. The one area where I think that is not correct, and I think I wish people would pen, pay a little more attention to this, is in the possibility that uh, the attacks in some of these places is creating the kind of anger resentment and hatred towards the United States precisely the kinds of things we worried about once upon a time when it was troops on the ground Uh, and now is there a similar dynamic playing out with respect to uh, attacks uh, again directed at Al Qaeda or or suspected Al Qaeda figures but in the process uh, killing innocents and therefore driving support to Al Qaeda if that's true uh, then we can see that these operations may be truly counterproductive and, in fact, ultimately undermining American security. And that's not obviously in our interest. It's important for the people that you're talking about, who ought to be
0: paying more attention to this. It's important for them to know that, with rare exception, cases of terrorism that have been executed within the United States have been inspired by U.S. interventions abroad.
1: That's right. I mean. W- We're not the only ones to say this, Uh, obviously. uh, Cato has published several papers on that topic, but others have as well. Um, My favorite quote about this is is, uh, Paul Wolfowitz, who right before the Iraq War said that, of course, the reason why uh, there was so much anger in the United States was because we had troops stationed in Saudi Arabia, and that was one of his reasons for going into Iraq, was that it would allow us to remove the troops from Saudi Arabia and therefore remove one of Al-Qaeda's principal recruiting devices. That's a direct quote. But I, I think that people are very uncomfortable with that particular argument because they, they assume or they, they suggest that that kind of is blaming ourselves for these kinds of actions. I don't think that's right. Um, I, I think there is a, there's a difference between explaining uh, violence and excusing it. And I think that it is appropriate to explain it without uh, implying that you excuse or condone it. We obviously do not. Terrorism is never uh, the right recourse uh, but I think it's important for us to understand why uh, why some people thankfully still not a very large number but some people are so motivated to kill Americans that they're willing to kill themselves in the process Uh, and that understanding that dynamic is a really important uh, part of the work that we've done here at Cato over many years and I likely will continue.
0: Chris Preble is Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at cato.org.